Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to the Lynx Magazine Golf Podcast. You join us here in the Lynx offices. Uh, my name is Graylin Loomis. I'm joined again by co-host Ian Kreitzer. Ian, another good day. Another good day. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, today we have a cool topic that comes up um, quite a bit in different ways. You know, it's a pretty wide topic, and it is based off um, an article that we ran as a cover issue, or a, excuse me, a cover, cover story, article, yeah. uh, cover story, um, called next era. And it was written by Tom Dunn, um, a really bright guy who, uh, kind of tackled the question of what going forward, what will be course architecture? What will it look like? What styles are we going to see? And, you know, both of us are course architecture nerds. This won't admittedly be, this won't mm-hmm. become a course architecture nerd lecture, um, but really we'll stay within the bounds of our normal kind of golf travel talk. Yeah. But basically, say you know what are the resorts of the future going to look like, and what will golf travel look like in the future? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's it's worth noting though that we're going to stick mainly to public venues, and there's. And the, the private venues have the have their place in in this talk as well, but just for the sake of time and and the discussion, we're going to stick to uh, public venues, and those have become the rage anyway over the past past few years. So exactly. So when we're having these conversations about what will course architecture look like in ten, twenty years, a hundred years, uh, expect us to be talking about public venues and resorts. Um, yeah, and, and resorts. So I'm going to just read one sentence um, from uh, Tom's article, and it, it kind of started the whole thing, and it's the central premise of his article and what we're going to talk about today. But he wrote, what we think of as golf course architecture today is vastly different from what it was 20 years ago, let alone 50 or 100. So where will it be in another decade, two or 10? And that is going to be the central talking point for us. Um, But I I think if we're going to talk about what will golf course architecture look like in X number of years, it's important to look back and look at how course architecture has changed over the last, you know, 100 years, 150 years. Yeah. Um, We, you know, we were talking before we hit the record button. Um, We're going to stick mainly to, to the U.S. here just to kind of keep everything neat and tidy um, and, and there's not a whole lot of change in the yeah in the you know talking in the about British Isles. yeah the British Isles um, has a massive place in the golf travel conversation but uh, for the purposes of this conversation today we're, we're going to talk about the U.S. Um, so really you know we're going to just break the history down into a short conversation talking about what was golf travel. Um, kind of in the very beginning. And naturally, we think about large resorts like Pebble Beach, um, Pinehurst, right. uh, the Greenbrier. But really, you know, what I'm about to say applies more to Pebble Beach and, and Pinehurst. Those were part of big, large kind of resort town development projects. Right. Um, you look at the Tufts family and what they did and um, 
and Pinehurst and, and then Samuel Morris and his company in, in Pebble Beach. Exactly. Basically developed towns and the golf courses um, were built as uh, kind of main attractions in those towns. Right. Right. So, you know, all you have to do is walk down some of the old uh, hallways in Pinehurst and see the old marketing posters at Pinehurst, which are so cool, talking about, you know, come down to the south, uh, the, the North Carolina sand hills. It's great for your health. You know, it, yeah. it's... it's which, uh, which, which is true. I, I will <laughs> I will attest to that as a former Pinehurst employee. Yeah, but, and you grew up right in that area yeah, as well. Yep. Yeah. I I, uh, I lived um, lived an hour up the road and drove in, commuted every day, and <laughs> loved every minute of it. Um, but I'm yeah. jealous. What, what, what a place! Yeah, what a place. We'll, we'll get we'll touch more on Pinehurst later. But yeah. uh, so the, there was that era of big time development, and not development like we think of development development with gated communities and homes. Right. But we're talking about big kind of resort towns. Yeah. Um, out of that era. Um, really came the the period post-wars where you had a big boom in development that was housing. You know, a lot of housing developments yeah. and a lot of new course development was built in those houses. And the golf courses weren't necessarily center stage. Um, they were more amenities for communities. And right. th- there were resorts. And, you know, you had things like the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail, you know, a big right. string through Alabama of uh, good public golf venues. But those didn't necessarily stand as big time resort destinations. Um, That uh, there was also less of a focus on creating really unique um, uh, golf courses that, you know, would, well, I'm sure they wanted them to stand the test of time, but you look at what, for instance, Donald Ross did at Pinehurst number two, where he lived on the course and tweaked it. Um, he obviously didn't do that at all of his designs, but he stayed there and tweaked it for you know years and years right. and years, and you didn't see that as much through the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, really. Of, of no fault of of anyone. You know, yeah, it, it was. It, it, it was just wasn't one, the style of the day. Right. Um, out of that came what we are kind of lightly calling the build it and they will come model. Um, right. So starting you know in the in the nineties, yeah. I, I guess. Um, yeah. It, really. You know, we we would say Band and Dunes started that. Yep. Mike Kaiser uh, opened Band and Dunes in 1999. Um, yeah, there's a great book written about it, but it talks about this. There was a real question of if we build this golf course out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, are people going to come? Yeah. You know, if they land in Portland, they're going to have to drive, you know, five hours down the Oregon coast to yeah. find this little place. And once they're there, there's literally nothing to do but play this golf course. Yeah, that, that that's an interesting, interesting point, too, because uh, he, you know, now it, it shows the, the benefit of the model working um, because he's quoted as saying, you know, if he, someone asks him, uh, what would he do, what would he have done differently, um, knowing that this would be the outcome of, of Bandon? And he said, "I make the dining room bigger." Yeah. <laughs> hey, what, what was it? A bigger dining room yeah. and a bigger kitchen. Yeah. 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 One it's, of our writers recently interviewed him, right. and, and of all the things, <laughs> that was the, what the, he that changed. was it. But he wouldn't change anything else, you know. So it, it shows that the model works, um, especially in this in this age. Whereas maybe in the you know mid '60s, it would wouldn't have. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, imagine how tough it would have been to fly into Portland and rent a car in the mid '60s and right. drive five hours down to you know it just it wasn't easy. It wasn't as feasible. Yeah. Um, you know, Kaiser's quoted saying something along the lines of, 
one course makes an oddity, two courses makes a destination. Yeah. Um, I, I might be messing that up slightly, but, Paraphrasing but a the, bit. The, the sentiment remains. Yeah. Um, so Band and Dunes really started that. And since then, we've seen really a, a big boom in, in that yeah. area. So you have your Band and Dunes and Stream Song and Sand Valley now. And yep, Sand Valley. Even Cabot out in the, yep. you know, yep. out in Nova, yeah, Scotia. Nova Scotia. Yeah. Um, difficult to get to in Canada. And it was really the, if, if these courses are special enough, people are going to get here. Right. Um, whether they've got to fly and drive or whether they're going to, you know, uh, be wealthy, you know, millionaires and billionaires who fly in on a darn helicopter, yeah. they're going to find a way to get here. Exactly. Um, so that kind of wraps the, the very lightest touch going across the, the history. Um, and it, it brings us into the conversation of, is that boom sustainable? Um, are we going to see more and more of these build it and they will come models um, in perpetuity? And likely not. But uh, what is what's sustainable? What are we going to see in the future? Um, and then kind of as a side as an aside that we'll get into, uh, how will young people, you know, in year 23, mm -hmm. I'm 26 how will young people travel as we age into, you know, basically having disposable income where we'll be taking trips ourselves? Right. Um, and how will we take those trips? Where will we want to go? But, I mean, what do you think? Do you think the build it and they will come model is we'll just keep going and we'll see, you know, one or two new courses opening a year, a new resort every now and then? I I, I think I think yes, um, but I also think we'll see it in different forms. Um, so, for example, uh, Sand Valley being you know being opened officially this year and and all that. Uh, it may, might not be Sand Valley every year. It might be another Sweetens Cove, or it might be you know it's another place that that we'll want to go visit. But it might not be the resort with the amenities and and stuff like that. But I think as we we talked about this uh, earlier today, but. Uh, with us being part of that generation of uh, are not architecture nerds, but you know people who want to travel to golf, um, we'll we'll seek out those destinations, and we're going to age into being the ones who are not necessarily in charge of that, but we'll still you know it will still travel well and and uh, you, you get what I'm trying to say. It's just you know yeah. it's hard to find the you know, uh, the it, words for it. I, I think. I think that internationally we'll see more of those, um, right. but I don't. I think we'll see a slowing, and I think we've already seen a slowing. Oh, yeah. You know, it's there are only so many um, sites. You know, sites that, that yeah. can hold a really special golf destination, right? Um, and we've seen that. You know, you look at uh, Sand Valley being the most recent one. Yeah. Um, that's out in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, so there are more of those sites, uh, but we're seeing them in places like Streamsong, you know, Bowling Green, Florida, or Wisconsin, where the seaside, the special seaside sites are fewer and fewer between. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, like you say, we'll see plenty of those destinations come up, but in either further remote destinations or... Um, as add-ons to existing resorts, right? Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. It, it it will be, especially you know, it's it, it's like anything. It ebbs and flows, and you know, booms and slows down. Yeah. Um, so one of the one of the interesting points is that all of these big uh, build it and they will come models, 
there's been a real focus on the golf courses. The right. golf courses are not an afterthought where, you know, we're building, um, you know, a 2,500 home area right. and we're going to have a public golf course in the middle. No, this is a golf destination. Right. And there's nothing else. Nothing and else there's there. not a whole lot else. You know, you go out to Bandon Dunes, you wouldn't bring your wife and children to Bandon. No. I mean, they, there's you go out there to play golf and, yeah. and that's what you do. Well, if your wife and children play golf, then you take them. Well, but it, true. It, it, yeah. I guess, I mean, as you wouldn't bring, you know, your non-golfing buddy, uh, <laughs> right. to, to sit in the pro shop while, while you go play golf abandoned. Yeah. And it, one of the carryovers that I think we're going to see that has come out of this, um, build in, they will come phase will be, um, a focus on course architecture yeah. at everything that's coming up. Not necessarily, uh, home community developments, but mm. certainly at at a lot of these high end resorts, right? Um, it's hard to be taken seriously um, if you're these days as a golf resort if you don't have some of those big names. I mean, I, one of the things that comes out to me is Big Cedar Lodge. Mm. Um, they that's a course, or well, sorry, that is a resort yeah. that uh, has a lot to do other than golf. I've never been there, but I'd like to go. I was reading about it the other day. Um, you look at what they've done, all of a sudden they've gone from having a handful of courses mm-hmm. that were built um, by some big name architects, others that are like John Daly. Um, yeah. And they've redesigned and are building new courses, a Core Crenshaw, a Tiger Woods course. Yeah. And all of a sudden, just like that, this this place has gone from being oh an interesting kind of outdoorsman's retreat with golf to a serious yeah like now it's a golf destination and i'm sure if you asked a fisherman or a hunter they'd say no it's not but But you know for it has launched itself into the conversation and i think we'll continue to see that focus on good architecture whether it's the big names like a you know gil hans core crenshaw tom doak that sort of name all the way down to some of these smaller guys that we're going to get into here in a second. Yeah. Um, but talking about how young people travel, mm-hmm. we are not your typical young people. And I say that because we work in the golf industry. Right. Um, our The trips we take, some are for work, some aren't. But we're, we're not your average mid-20-year-olds because we're obsessed with golf. That's what we do for a living. Right. We love it. So take all of this kind of, it's our experiences um, but we'll also try and bring in kind of, you know, other viewpoints as well. Exactly. But one of the questions that, that I get a lot, particularly when people hear about the trips I take where I'm, you know, going over to the UK for two weeks and I'm playing 14 rounds of golf and they're like, holy cow, you know, do you have fun? Um, doesn't that take too much time? And it, it kind of brings up this idea of in the future, uh, will we see fewer and fewer uh, what I'm calling dedicated golf trips, where it is a buddy's golf trip or a couple's golf trip or whatever, but the right. whole sole focus is golf. Are we going to see more, you know, where you might go with your significant other to, let's say, Edinburgh, um, Scotland, yeah. you know, on a big, uh, you know, big, big international trip? And you tie in a couple rounds of golf over a week. But it's not like a we're here to play golf trip. Right. You could rent clubs, play in your tennis shoes, that sort of thing. Exactly. Um, 
I, I personally think we will see more of those. And, I, I agree. We're already starting to see it. And we're starting to see yeah. it. Um, that's always been a thing. It's not new. But, um, you know, you, you always read about millennials and our spending habits and our <laughs> buying habits and, and what goes on. And, you know, we, you know, when will we have money and how will we spend it? Yep. Um, I think we're going to see more and more people tie in. Uh, those trips where it's going to different places that aren't necessarily dedicated, just golf. Right. Um, and it reminds me of a recent trip. I took um, a couple trips ago to Pinehurst. I went mm. with my wife, Lucy. Right. Um, I went and we played, uh, I forget, four courses. She walked Tobacco Road with me. Absolutely loved it because it was a different experience. We had a I think it was a 6.45 a.m. tea time. Just getting out before everything. Got out before everything. We played in like two hours, 45 minutes just walking yeah. and then had our day. And yeah. we were able to explore Southern Pines and hang out in Pinehurst. And, and Lucy doesn't golf. Just and, for, Oh, yeah. Sorry. Lucy doesn't play golf. Right. Yeah. Important point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it was kind of this mix of we were in a destination that had more than just golf, right. um, but is a golf destination. And absolutely loved it. Another, um, both of us on separate trips recently went to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Most underrated golf city yeah. in, the, in the country. Yeah, I well, think. It, it really <laughs> is. And what we did, um, what I did was spent plenty of time down in Chattanooga. You know, had our, a lot of our meals there, right. had beers down there. And then went to local courses. Yeah. Um, Sewanee, um, a small college there, has a great nine-hole course that was recently redesigned by Gil Hands. Yep. Um, there are a couple really good private courses there. Um, yeah, the the star of the public show in Chattanooga, or just outside of Chattanooga, is a place called Sweeten's Cove. Um, and so much fun. Yeah, and you absolutely love Sweden's Cove, I, but I do. <laughs> it, it's kind of that's not your traditional golf destination. No, and no, not at all. if you went for a weekend, you could happily play uh, Suwannee, a nine-hole course, Sweden's Cove, a nine-hole course, mm -hmm. and have the rest of your trip. Yeah. But I personally think that we're going to see more trips like that, where you're not saying I've got four days, I'm flying to Bandon. I'm, I'm going to play 36, 36 day. every day. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, whether it's because we're young and don't have as much disposable income where you can't do a dedicated trip and a family trip or and a spouse trip. Right. You're going to see more of this this hybrid trip. Right. Uh, but how did you do Chattanooga when you went out there? You did it more in that kind of hardcore golf style. You played a lot. Right. So so I'm I'm unattached. Um, <laughs> so that, that, that's the that's the main thing. But uh, we had uh, we had a good group um, we had it was basically centered around an event put on uh, by a couple of friends um, in Sugarloaf Social Club uh, which is just a golf uh, basically a bunch of golf nerds that get together and play golf um, and they put on an event that was well attended in the middle of nowhere um, you know Chattanooga Tw what was it uh, over 20 people it, it was like 40 oh wow. it was like it was like 40 people showed up for a weekend event paid you know a, a very reasonable amount and went and just played golf and we'd all just kind of nerded out together a bunch of young guys yeah, yeah. And, and older guys too and it, That's and awesome. it was about half and half and it, it just shows the power of you know building they will come but Basically, so it was centered around that, but we did uh, we did kind of side. Uh, we started an email chain basically and said, "Hey, 
where we made a tea time for Swanee the day before the event. Um, whoever wants to join in can. And there was like eight guys that showed up to that. Yeah. Um, including my group. And then uh, Sweetens Cove. And then we also did a, a private Seth Rainer course called Lookout Mountain, which is great. Uh, and it's, you know, it's it's right there as well. Yeah. Um, but since we're sticking to the, you know, the more public. Uh, yeah. Sweetens Cove is on a normal day. Um I always I stopped by uh, when I was driving in between North Carolina and Mississippi. I'd stop in during my drive, and I'd always say, "Okay, I'm just going to play a quick nine, quick nine. Yeah. And it always ended up being an eighteen at least, <laughs> and then you know having another five hours to drive. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it, so that's the part of the fun. It's right. a nine hole course, and you can play a quick nine. Mm. You can play eighteen. Right. You could play twenty seven and probably four and a bit hours. Yeah. And then even better than that, if you do that and want more, there's an alternate routing. Right. You know, so th- there are many ways to do it. Right. And if you're on that dedicated golf trip, you can. And you refer to it as the build it and they will come. Um, it's not. It's not that in the true sense of like abandoned dunes. Right. But th- this place is not in a golf destination. No. Um, it no. is in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, just outside of Chattanooga. And you don't associate that part of the world with, I'm going to take a golf trip to right. you know, Chattanooga. But, you know, as we, we found out recently, yeah, here we are talking about it uh, at Lynx Magazine. So I mean, in the past three years, I've been to, I've made the trip to South Pittsburgh four times yeah you know yeah. and it's it's that good it, it, it's that good and it's and it's the affordable model of um they'll give you a play all day rate and it's like it's something like 50 bucks yeah and yeah. You, you can go you can go walk as many holes as you as you can basically and the, that trip you took um you know with the the private courses added on cost a little bit more but you know it's a few right. hundred bucks probably and that got you some swag some merchandise i got shout you. out sugarloaf yeah that got you food, a barbecue, and, and golf, yeah. and you compare that to what it takes to, you know, play a really big name resort. Um, it, it's just a an alternative. You right. know, it's not better or worse. Um, it's a completely different experience. Right. You know, it, you you just can't compare them. But I think we're going to see more little destinations like that pop up, and that, that kind of brings us to a an even bigger point. And and I want to launch into this one by basically saying, you know, we started this podcast with the question, what we think of as golf course architecture today is vastly different from what it was 20 years ago. So uh, where is it going to be in the future? Um, so, you know, we, we can answer that. Um, and that leads us to, to where, um, you know, I, I want to end the podcast. So yeah. simply put, answer the question. Oh man. Um, <laughs> So here, here's my thought. There will always be the places for the classic, you know, private courses. But as yeah. far as new developments go, uh, are going, um, what we're seeing now is we can continue to see. It's going to slow down, of course, but um, you're going to see more of the sand valleys, more of the uh, more of the stream songs, more of m- more of the cabots, you know. And then even with existing resorts, adding on more amenities like Pinehurst, adding on the cradle. Yeah. It, yeah. The, it stuff like that will keep happening because it's. It, Especially with 
the millennial crowd, me, me included with a shorter attention span. Maybe we don't have time for a full 18. So go and, you know, play a quick nine. We're um, playing like Pinehurst two or four is too expensive. Right. And you can you, go play as much as you want on the cradle the for cradle, 50, 50 bucks. bucks uh, all you can play and kids under 18 play free with a paying adult. I right. mean, they, that, you know, that model is so, is so uh, smart on on it's their very part. Very clever, and, and it's something. Yeah, you know, they've created something that if you're in town or in Pinehurst or near Pinehurst, not even planning to play at the resort, all of a sudden you want to go over there just for an afternoon to have a beer and play the cradle. Right, and, and it gets you on property. It, it's very very clever. Uh, so you think we'll see more things I, like the cradle? I, I believe so, um, because it's it has to be. I mean, if you just put you know nine flat greens, no bunkers, and you know nine tee boxes. You go hit pitch and it's like okay, like why did I pay fifty dollars? But because it's you're offering up those uh, the cradle is a good example in Sweetens Cove as well, um, where you're offering up unique shots and you know playing off of bumps and you know heavily undulating greens. Things where it's you not, might not see on a big course, r- right? Yeah. Right, but it's uh, you know the small quirks I think are are what um, small quirks and also golf doesn't have to be eighteen holes, seventy two hundred yards. Um, yeah, you know a bombers fest. It's 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 kind of echoing back to the the finesse and quirkiness of what you, courses you find in Scotland. Yeah, you know, that's and, true. and as you as you well know. Yeah, and, and that's I, what, that's why they've lasted so long, and that's why I think and these been so successful. Right. A, one thing I, I guess we might not even have said it, uh, just in case we didn't. The Cradle is a nine hole par three right. course at Sorry. Pinehurst Resort. It's a total of like seven hundred and fifty yards. Yeah, just under eight hundred, I think. And yeah, it, it's a blast. You go out there and they have music playing and a bar on the course and the pine um, cone yeah yeah and you've got uh last time i played it we were a fivesome playing behind an eightsome we played all nine holes in an hour and 20 minutes right and it's just a blast everyone's having fun and cheering and uh gill hands and jim wagner uh designed the course and it it is just an absolute blast it's phenomenal um so yeah it's a lot and the last time i was there it was a twosome we're the only ones out there because it was the very last you know spot of the day and we got around in 35 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it, you know, it's it's just, it's great for a quick, you know, walking quick with, a, with, with a beer and, you know, uh, three or four wedges and a putter. Agreed. That's, that's all you need. It's, Agreed. it's phenomenal. So if I was to answer that question, I, I think you're right. I, I think that we're going to, you know, see more of what we're seeing, um, even if it does slow, but I think we're going to see, like you said, more small kind of add-ons to existing resorts or even right. new courses on existing resorts, like a third course at Pine Valley, uh, or sorry, uh, Sand Valley. Um, <laughs> I, I'd love to see a third course yeah. at Pine Valley. <laughs> yeah. uh, is, is that public? Um, a a fourth course at Streamsong, right. that sort of thing, rather than new resorts. But I could be totally wrong there. The, the big point for me... Um, actually brings up another course. Um, I think we're going to see more existing designs renovated and redesigned with the attention to detail that is given and the focus that is given to these big resorts. So it reminds me of a course called Winter Park, just outside of Orlando, Florida. Um, It was built in the early 1900s and over the years kind of fell into... Um, kind of a bad state where the course wasn't in great condition. It's right in a neighborhood, and it's um, it's very much community golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, the municipality 
brought in these two young guys, uh, Riley Johnson, Keith Reb, uh, to completely redesign it. And it's important to note that both of those guys are shapers. So basically, they help build golf courses um, with guys like Corin Crenshaw and Tom Doak and Gil Hands, the the really top notch guys. Right. So those two, uh, Johns and Reb, both took that same attention to detail and focus that they would have given to something like Sand Valley and applied that to the greens and green complexes at Winter Park. Right. And they turned this nine-hole... Flat. Completely dead flat course in, in the middle of a you know suburb of Orlando um, into this very, very fun, very cool little neighborhood course. When I went to play it, it was 16 bucks. Um, I wanted to play it on a Thursday morning, and I figured, oh, I'll just show up. And then I kind of got a feeling Wednesday night, maybe I ought to call. I called. It was slammed Thursday morning. They couldn't get me out until 11. So I played it at 11, right. got around in like two hours, and just had, had the best day. I think we're going to see more of that. I, I think we're going to see. I agree. So, you know, where the future of course architecture lies, I think we're going to see more of the renovations where you see um, yeah, municipal courses get a full redesign, not necessarily from a hands or a dope, because right. those guys, frankly, uh, their design fees are, are are high enough that a municipality couldn't handle that. But you're, you're as, as they see, should be high. I mean, they're, yeah, they're great. and they, they yeah. should be high. Um, but you're going to see their shapers take on those projects. You're, you're going to see other architects take on those projects. And we didn't mention it, but Sweetens Cove is a redesign of a flat, relatively featureless course that was on the site originally. Yeah, um, I mean, absolutely dead flat. And then that, that attention to detail you were talking about too. Yeah. Um, so Rob Collins uh, is Sweetens is his is his brainchild. Um, and a couple times ago when I was there, I was messaging with Rob beforehand. I was like, oh, looking forward to seeing you, blah blah blah. And I went into their their clubhouse, which is. It's funny because the clubhouse is a is a, a trailer uh, essentially a shed, a shed yeah. um, you know straight out of the uh, the Walmart parking lot um, you know the the pre made ones um, but that's all they need um, and I met the the general manager Patrick in there and I was like oh like kind of expecting Rob uh, Patrick's great as well um, but he was like all right yeah I'm going out and then on on the fifth hole I saw a guy that looked a lot like Rob out with a with a an edger basically just kind of weed whacking and i was like is that rob dripping and sweat dripping and sweat and he you know he comes over takes his hat off shakes my hand and was like hey man good to see you glad you're out here and like that attention to detail like he does not have to be he's the course architect he owns the place and you know he's the he, head maintenance guy and he's the head maintenance guy he, he does all the work and you see that like uh you know same sort of story at winter park where um you know riley johns and keith reb laid out the design did a lot of the shaping themselves um and you know tom dunn goes into this in his next era article uh we're going to see more of that more of the the jack of all trades, the guys yeah. who are, well, I, I shouldn't even say jack of all trades because that, that implies they are master of none. Yeah. You know, guys that are masters of multiple trades and right. they can look at the topographical maps and lay out a course and do a full design. 
And then they get on the darn bulldozer and, you know, Gil Hans is famous for that. A lot of the guys these days do a lot of the work themselves. You know, Tom Doak is out there with his crew, but we're going to see more of those younger guys apply that same attention to detail where they're doing the designs, they're doing the shaping, they're helping with everything um, at these, you know, at the municipal level, which ties everything back into how young people are going to travel. Right. And... How I, I think you're going to see, you know, like a family where the family goes down to Orlando and wants to do Disney and do the whole thing. And, and you see out for nine and, one morning yeah, before going and to the park. And the mother or father or whoever who wants to play golf, both the whole family for that matter, yeah. goes out and plays nine holes in the morning while and it's it, cool at Winter Park. It's 16 bucks a pop. Yeah. And, you know, they, they enjoy it just as much. So I, I think we're going to see more of that. I, I'm personally excited for all of the, the big you know, Sand Valleys and Stream Songs right. and Cabots and everything in that world. And I hope that we see more of that. But I think an even more sustainable model for golf will be seeing. I mean, I, I really wish some of those guys would come up to Asheville Municipal Golf Course where I grew up. Uh, you know, just a course in my hometown. Yeah, um, I played Donald it. Ross. Yeah, he, th- I, that, I, I could it. use some love. I mean, th- th- that would be great if somebody would come in there and change the model and redesign it and reshape some of those greens. And there's and there's so many places like that. That's yeah. just everyone can name two or three courses that that they know. Do we necessarily need a you know, another massive destination, or could we just get somebody to do some work on old Asheville Muni? Yeah. You know, (laughs) no, no, I mean, even, and hopefully we get both. Yeah. yeah. And and both, you know, it satisfies both, satisfies both, you know, ends of the market. Um, exactly. And they're very sustainable. They're not, you know, they're not gonna be the lush Augusta green, and that's okay. That's you know? okay. And that, that's know, what they're supposed to be. It, it's less maintenance costs, less, um, you know, uh, irrigation costs, less and less everything, less and, staff. And less, that makes it, in turn, better for us. It's a better golf experience. and It's less expensive, less expensive. for the user right. um, or for the player. It, it's a... Um, it's an exciting model. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I think we're going to see more of everything. And I, I think it's exciting. Um, but I'm most excited to see a lot of these old munis uh, getting new life get saved, I guess you could say. Right. You, um, and you mentioned Sharp Park uh, earlier today as well. Yeah, of too. course, I'm going to play later this month called Sharp Park, an old Alistair McKenzie course out in Pacifica, California, right near San Francisco. Yeah. There's a lot of movements out there to, to save these courses. Yeah. And, you you know, it, some of the bigger ones like Pasa Tiempo, um, that has gone through a renovation. Yeah. But you know that that can use more love. It, it's it's just exciting what's out there, and I, I think the opportunities will shift from we're going to build a five course resort in you know you name it middle of nowhere X Y Z right. to there's a real opportunity to come in and sustainably renovate and restore or redesign. Um, some of the existing courses on existing land and yeah. um, make them even better. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, one more one more point yeah. on my end that's I think important to mention. Um, a lot of these movements, you, you know, grassroots kind of movements, um, can really thank uh, social media to, which yeah. is a, it, it's a big mover. Like I wouldn't have heard of Sweetens Cove if it wasn't for you know being into golf Twitter and and stuff like that, but. Uh, a lot of those like Save Sharp Park, Winter Park Nine, they're they're they've been big, and they, then the social media 
exposure has gained them, you know, golf channel exposure, magazine exposure, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so that's been, and that's the difference between, you know, having, having social media now and then, the, yeah, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even the, have heard of some of these places. No. And, no. and that's probably what they fell into in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of that. Yeah. And it's just people, it was neglected, not of any fault of their own, just because, you know, there was no way to hear about them. Agreed. So, yeah. Well, in conclusion, we want to hear from you guys. What do you think course architecture is going to look like in another decade, in another 10 decades? You know, it, what, what will our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren be playing golf on? Um, what do you think golf travel is going to look like? You know, are we going to be uh, taking the big trips? Will travel become easier? Will travel become more expensive? Um, reach out to us on social media. Uh, we're at Lynx Magazine pretty much everywhere. Yep, Facebook, across the board. Twitter, Instagram. And if you prefer to email, if you want to send us a longer form answer that we might feature on a future podcast, um, email us at letters at linksmagazine.com. That's letters, plural, at linksmagazine.com. We get those emails and we read every single one and reply to as many as we can. So reach out to us, share your thoughts. What do you think think the future holds? Um, Not necessarily for golf as a whole, but... What will courses look like in the future and what will travel look like in the future? We might revisit this topic uh, in a future podcast yeah. with some of your answers. Um, we'll love I, to do that. I think this is one that we'll be able to revisit often. Um, it, it, it's it's ever changing, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's exciting. Changing it, and it's exciting at this point. You know, it, we could do a podcast on uh, just these yeah, muni courses that yeah. have the movements behind them. I mean, yeah. th- there's enough there to talk about for. Hours. Don't worry, we won't go for hours. But uh, yeah, but but we could if we wanted to. <laughs> but we could. Well, awesome, Ian. Another good podcast. Yeah. Um, I hope that we hear from some listeners. We'll, It'll love be to. interesting to debate and and discuss with them. Yeah, um, definitely. So it's, it's a it's a topic that we're really really passionate about, and we want to hear from from you guys as well. Um, so happy to happy to discuss uh, anytime, really. So totally agree. Well, Ian, thanks again, buddy. I'll see you next. Appreciate time. Appreciate it. Sounds good.